Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and thanks for coming in for the newest episode. So, um, first and foremost, I want to thank Jared for last week's episode. Um, Jared, thanks for coming on the podcast and discussing addiction as it relates to narcissistic abuse. And uh, yeah, it was a real pleasure to be on your podcast too. So, thanks a lot for coming on to my show, and uh, you know, follow him on social media. He's a really cool guy on YouTube. Um, I also want to let you guys know that I mentioned last week I did not end up having um, my court date for the DV trial. It was postponed. However, this week, this coming Tuesday, I have a court date for my motion where my next, you know, wanted to fight about the podcast. So hopefully it's going to happen this Tuesday. I want to let you guys know that, you know, if it does get heard, I will be fighting for this podcast on Tuesday. So, um, little anxious about it, but, um, I'm also knowing that it will go well. Um, so yeah, today's guest is a guest that I've actually had on the podcast before and he told his story, but, um, I wanted to bring him back on because he's had a lot of developments, uh, you know, since I've known this guy, I've been talking to him every week, ever since I started this podcast and, uh, just a really fun, interesting guy. His name is Doug Buggle. He was on episode 16 of the podcast. So if you want to go back and check out his story, it's all there. Um, but Doug has recently written a book. He's going to be featured in a upcoming documentary that might be on Netflix or HBO. They don't really know where. I mean, he's just got a lot of stuff going on and uh, I'm really happy he's back on the show. So check out this episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. So I am here for, this is only the second time I've ever done this, but um, I, I have a guest with me who has been on the podcast before, but he is absolutely, undoubtedly, one of the closest people that I've met through social media to me. His name is Doug Buggle. Doug was on episode 16 with me, and he had a fantabulous story about his, his whole thing was just mind-blowing. And he and I, of course, stayed in touch. He listens to all my episodes, and he's got a lot of really cool updates to his whole situation. And I thought I got to bring him back. So, Doug, thanks so much for coming back here with us. Thank you, man. How's it going, everybody? 
Yo, I'm so, so glad to see you and hear Me you. Too, and, and it's so good to have you back. So, man, you, you've got a lot of shit going on with you, dude. Yes, I do. But first off, I want to say props to you for the merch store, dude. Thank you so oh much. Oh, my God. I drink my coffee every morning out of your mug. <laughs> and I wear your shirt at the gym every day, the end narcissistic abuse shirt. Thank I've you. had people come up to me and ask me about it. And so, yeah, hell yeah. Thank you, dude. I appreciate that so much. I was out to coffee the other day and I have a Demi the Gaslight hat and the cashier goes to me, uh, you know, what's that hat from? And I go, oh, it's a podcast. And she goes, about what? And I go, it's about narcissism. She goes, oh, she goes, is it on Apple? And I go, yeah, it's on Apple. And I go, it's my podcast. And she goes, oh, it's yours? She goes, oh, I'm definitely going to check it out. I was like, sweet, do it. So um, yeah, no, dude, the merch store is really cool. And, and you've been a big advocate for it. And I even see you wearing the shirt. So thank you for that, dude. I appreciate it. No problem. You, Absolutely. You got something that you're putting out there. So what's going on with you? Well, first and foremost, uh, my book is out. Um, yeah, I know back on episode 16, you said I'm writing a book. Um, my book is out. Um, it is called Goodbye, Tammy. Third time was not a charm. <laughs> Surviving narcissistic abuse. Um, you can find it on my publisher's website. You can go to bookstore.dorrancepublishing.com. That's D-O-R-R-A-N-C-E. Bookstore.dorrancepublishing.com. It, I think it just hit Amazon today, just the Kindle version, but it's going to be on Google, Amazon, or, or Google, um, uh, Barnes & Noble stuff in the next week or two. But it's out officially on their website. Sick, dude. I am so proud of you, man. When we Thanks. talked, I mean, we've talked, this was over a year ago when we did your episode. And like yeah. how far you and I both have come. Yeah. Like, holy shit, man. It was so, April of 2022. Wow. Episode wow. Oh 16. And what are you on, like 90 now or 89? I'm closing in on 90. Yeah, I'm closing yeah. in on 90. So you told me before we got on the air, you said you have some updates to your story. But let's just recap for the listener. If they want to go back, it was episode 16 that Doug was on. But just recap some of that story. And then we'll get into some of the developments that have happened. Okay, so I met my next, we're just going to call her Tammy. That's the book name. And just so you guys know, it's not her real name. I'm trying to, you know, obviously protect the privacy, but we're going to call her Tammy. Um, I met her in 2004 uh, through the Mormon church. Um, mm -hmm. And my son's mom and I were married. I was Mormon for 10 years. I'm no longer Mormon. And so I was Mormon for 10 years and I met her in the Mormon church. Uh, the big, big thing is that I'm not proud of is after being, uh, we were best friends, um, Tammy and her husband, Jim, and me and Paula were the, which is my son's mom. We were all best friends for four years. And then unfortunately, you know, I hate to admit it, but Tammy and I had an affair. Um, it came to light. And then um, uh, we, you know, after the affair, we ended up getting married in 2009. And I was married to her for almost 12 years. Mm -hmm. And I helped raise her kids as my stepkids. And um, obviously, Jim, her husband at the time, who was my best friend at the time, hated me for several years. Crazy thing is Jim and I are best friends again. Yeah. Uh, we we off-road together. We jeep together. We, we confide in each other and just had lunch with him yesterday. And um, he's also floored by the book. He's like, this is fucking crazy, man. Yeah, because uh, you guys lived it and you have somebody else to confirm that shit. Right. He actually teased me and he's like, when you go to a book signing, I'm going to go and sit next to you and be like, I'm Jim. I'm Jim. I'll sign the book too. <laughs> I was married to that crazy lady too. That's so awesome. Anyway, but yeah, so I, we met in the Mormon church. I was married to her for 12 years and there was just, you know, she lured me in with the sex. 
she lured me in with the charm and the personality, the fake persona. I had no clue, you know, about any narcissism stuff, even when we separated in 2021. So, you know, was, the marriage was full of gaslighting, manipulation, um, you know, control. Um, it just, she slowly eroded away my self-confidence, my self-esteem, everything we hear about. And in April of 2021, I asked for a temporary separation. We separated for three months. I, again, didn't know anything about narcissism, thought that she was in love with me, and I just knew something was off. I knew that something was wrong. I wasn't myself. She was mistreating my son for the whole marriage. Um, my son's now, he's now 18. And and so it was just, I knew something was wrong, and I, I wasn't myself around her. She controlled everything. She set the tone and the mood for the home. And so when I asked for the separation, I just thought I need to clear my head and get away for a little bit. Well, that turned into her just full discard. Yeah. Um, she plotted and planned the discard. Um, she, you know, she wouldn't let me back in my own home, which I was still paying for. And she, you know, was setting me up to be this abusive guy um, while dangling the carrot of you can kiss me on the cheek and hug me during a date night. And finally, in July of 2021, out of the blue, literally two weeks after we went on a really fun date night, um, she pulled the trigger, went nuclear, filed for divorce, cut off all communication, threw me out, and meaning like figuratively. And um, then I found out she falsely accused me of domestic violence and abuse. And it just went on from there. And so the divorce ended up lasting eight months which seemed like an eternity to me, but you know, eight months, I guess is not that long, but it turned into eight months of just pure hell. Yeah. You know, and um, so our divorce was finally final in February of 2022. And uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, the, the, the abuse, how they abuse the court system. Oh, Christ. This yes, is, you know talk about, about that. If you want to talk about that, I mean, perfect timing, man, because uh, so on my last episode, I talked about how I was potentially supposed to have a court date today. Didn't happen um, because the courts are just always fucking backed up. I just found out that 11 of like the 35 judges in my county in New Jersey are like, I don't know, out right now or whatever. But yeah, the court system is so fucked up and I've had a really tough day because of it. And if, if this is the place you want to talk about it, man, let's let's do it. For sure. And I got to say that I was in a, I'm blessed, man. I, I am so lucky that for number one, I didn't have kids with her. I dodged that bullet. Yeah. But she treated two, your kids like shit. Yeah, she did. She treated about, my kids like complete shit. You told him like episode 16, there was a story. You have this son who's like a, you know, an athlete mm -hmm. and everything. He's like a six, three kid, you know, he's like six foot yeah. three and she was making him cry. And like, it was yep. fun crazy i remember that just raiding she him. used to do things she used to do things like this and, and i didn't tell you this before i would witness her judging him in silence like i would catch her staring at him and he would you know we're, we're gonna call him jared and, and she would say she would just look at him and go jared why are you sitting like that jared why are you eating like that jared why are you laying like that jared you just washed your hands now you just touched your face go wash your hands again 
You ever see that? I, I forget what it, what their names are, but you ever see that video on Instagram where it's like the you know the uh, they have like quintuplets or something the the two with like a lot of kids and they're sitting on a couch or whatever and the woman goes to the guy and he's like, "Why are you breathing like that?" Yes, <laughs> I posted that. Dude, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I posted and the, that. I remember that. How emasculating, how degrading. Yes. Like, I, I always see that clip. But yeah, it's just that's what just going in my head. But absolutely crazy. And and she would just pick on him and nitpick him to death. And you know, and these are little examples because she's a female covert narcissist. Mm -hmm. Everything is subtle. Everything is hidden. Everything is slow. In public, she was, you know, her image is everything. And in public, she was so nice to me and so nice to my son. And like, we would be around her out-of-state family, her siblings and all their kids. And they love my son. They're like, oh my God, he's the nicest kid. He's so cool. He's so fun. And I, I, I wrote this in the book. And I remember sitting there thinking at the time, yeah, I know he's a good kid. But I was confused because I'm like, why does she think he's not a good kid? Or why does she pick on him? And you had that guy Christian on a couple episodes ago, and he said it perfectly. He said, they hate your kids. Oh, they fucking hate your kids. They, they hate your kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah, because it takes your time, it takes your time and supply away from them. Yeah, totally. And and I, I when that resonated with me because I'm like, uh-huh, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So my son was just tormented. I mean, one other little quick example. These are silly little examples. That she go, well, that's not a big deal. But when you add them all up, he his favorite snack was chips and salsa. Okay. And she would make him pour the exact amount of salsa in the bowl that he thought he would consume. Because <laughs> he wasn't allowed to throw any unused salsa away. And he wasn't allowed to put it back in the bottle. And he recently told me all these things. That was like, Dad, I used to get so paranoid about how much salsa I was pouring in the bowl. The biggest one that freaked me out is we were, he was 17 at the time. It was just a year ago. We're barbecuing at my place. The divorce is happening. And I said, hey, bud, can you go in and get me a plate for the barbecue? Oh, yeah, sure. He's 17. He's a he's adult. He's huge. Yeah. Okay, sure. He takes like five minutes to get a plate. I'm thinking maybe he's using the restroom. He comes back out and he looks at me and he's got this white. He's just white. Yeah. And he said, dad, don't ever ask me to do that again. And I'm like, what? I didn't know about this. He goes, I just got triggered. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, every time you were barbecuing at the house and you were outside, you would ask me to get a plate. He goes, I would go in, I'd open the cupboard and I would go to get a plate. And Tammy would go, Jared, what are you doing? Um, I'm getting a plate for dad. Not that one. Okay. So he'd go to get a different style plate. Not that one either. Oh, you're triggering goes, me. I finally looked at her and I go, this is Jared talking. He goes, I finally looked at her and I go, which one do you want me to get him? And she goes, I don't know. You figure it out. And she'd walk away. Wow. And I'm like, I'm blown. I started like tearing up. I'm like, I did not realize the effect and the severity that she had on him. You know, it's funny too. And I'm, I'm worried because I, like, as I'm listening to the story, I'm worried I'm not gonna be able to articulate this well, but victims of narcissistic abuse know what I'm talking about. Like they lie to us for no reason. Right. Mm -hmm. But like a situation like that, like going with a plate, right? Like, let's say you brought out a certain plate. Then when she saw the plate that you brought out, you would have to lie to her about like that plate, like, no, I didn't take, because you would have to lie just to avoid their wrath. 
Do you know what I'm trying Thank to say? Thank you. Like, we would be the liars. We would yes. have to lie for self-preservation. Do you know what I'm saying? I have an exact example. I used to do our laundry. And if I would accidentally dry something that I was told to hang up, I would get paranoid and I would wet it down and hang it in the garage like I had not dried it. And there was a time where yeah. she looked at me and said, did you dry this blouse? And I did. And I lied. And yes. I said, no, I hung it. Yeah. Because I didn't want to face the wrath. Right. Oh, wow. I'm so glad. See, yes. I, was like, I, I love the fact that I talk to people like with narcissistic abuse because we just get it right. Like from one survivor to another. But like as I was just telling that story, I'm like, I don't know if people are going to relate to this. And I don't know how to like accurately articulate it. But you get it right away. Yeah, absolutely. It's Crazy. there right away. Yeah. So in the courts. But you, um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. In the courts. Go ahead. Okay. In the courts. So in our spousal support hearing, I didn't talk on this. And, and so this is where the narcissist, what they're accusing you, you know, they always say narcissist accusations are usually their confessions. Yeah. And I have an example for every single thing that she accused me of. I have proof that she did it. And one of them is in court, in our first court meeting in spousal support, she wanted, <laughs> okay, so I have a good paying job. She has a full-time job. I make more than her. But after speaking to my attorney, we knew that the ratio of, of, of spousal support that I would have to pay her would be anywhere from two to $500 a month. Okay. And I was okay with that. I mean, right. California, you know, I was okay with that. She was asking for over $1,100 a month. Mm -hmm. And her attorney said to my attorney, if she doesn't get $1,100 a month, she'll be homeless. <laughs> That's what she said. So she went in with her standard job and her little side gig, and that's all they disclosed. And I went in with my main job, and my I, I disclosed all my income. I have had a side DJ business for over 25 years. I wasn't doing it at the time. Um, and and they um, she asked for $1,100 a month. And I come to find out, again, <laughs> narcissists, their this is a perfect example of their line of thinking. I ended up only having to pay her a little over $500 a month. She only got half of what she wanted. Okay. I'll come around to it. Is when we left the courtroom, I'm a gentleman. I just, I just natural. I hold the door. So when I was the first one to exit, I was expecting to hold the door for my female attorney. Well, she didn't come out right away. And here comes Tammy. And here comes her attorney. And I'm holding the door for them. <laughs> And this is the first time she walks within two feet of me and she's eyes are laser pointed straight ahead, welting up with tears. And she's just pissed. She looked at me. She didn't look at me, but she treated me like I was a disease. And that <laughs> was crazy. But anyway, so a couple of months later, or not even that, like a month later, I get a call from my attorney and they're like, oh, she wants you to do discovery. And I go, what's that? I don't even know what discovery is. Right. And they go, well, she wants you to open up three years of your financial records, more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. And I'm like, why? Well, she, she thinks you're hiding income from your DJ business, which I was not. So I went through, it took me like 12 hours, did all the discovery. It ended up being the same exact stuff. Thank God I said, well, if I have to do it, does she have to do it? And my paralegal goes, well, do you want her to? And I'm like, yes. And so I'm like, well, yeah, hell yeah, make her do it too. And this is where the entitlement comes in. I don't think she realized that I was going to make her do it. Right. So I made her do it. When her discovery came in, she was hiding income. She had been doing multiple side jobs, 
months before the spousal support hearing, earning a lot more money than she said in court. Good. And then she was on California welfare stamps under a false name. Oh, shit. She was under Jim's last name, her previous husband to me, Swanson. So she was under Tammy Swanson, and I called them out on that. And then so what I did, it was still COVID. Isn't that a crime? Wait, isn't that a crime? Isn't that a crime? It should be, but whatever, it should be. So I, I, I refiled a motion to have my spousal support, support reheard. I want to tell everybody, I have no problem. I, I, I have paid my child support for my two kids on time every month for the, my whole life until yep. they were 18. I have no problem paying her spousal support, no more, whether she's a narcissist or not. But it has to be based on fair income. And it has to be based on what the court either says or what you two agree on. So... Um, she then comes back with um, this discovery and, and she had to say it. And so we called her out. So I I filed a motion to have my spousal support reheard. Mm-hmm. It never ended up getting to that because of COVID. This was November of 2021. And I didn't get a hearing date until March of 2022. And so by then our divorce was final. So anyway, the bottom line is she lied about her income she lied about a financial interest in her in, in Jim's house that she still had. She lied probably 10 to 12 times in her court documents. And we caught her on every single one when she was accusing me of lying. Right. Right. And Why she just you, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. Why do you think they do that? Like, because my next does that all the time. And I think she thinks she craps roses or something because like she just she lies all the time and doesn't ever think it's gonna come back to bite her. And I think the only reason that, like, don't get me wrong, I have said this on the podcast before, like, I feel like it's almost like a power play, like, you know, she, she's getting away with it. She's getting away with doing these things, so maybe that's why she should continue, but why do you think that they're above that? Like, why do you think that, that like, that, that whole example where, you know, she wanted discovery from you, why do you think that, like, she knows that she has additional income? Like, why did she never think it was gonna turn around on her? Well, number one, I think it's the the self or the sense of self entitlement, and I think it's they are so feet in the ground, buried in their rightness, that they think they are that they think there's no consequences that are going to happen to them. Yeah. That, that, and I also read a perfect thing that someone quoted, a professional quoted that narcissists love the courtroom. It's it's theater to them. Yeah, it's 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 theater. It's it's an audience. But they're bad actors, and, and, and it's almost yes, they are. But it all it doesn't matter whether they win or lose. It's the audience. I learned, but with my with my restraining order, I told you about that was denied because the yeah. Tahoe thing. I, I realized afterwards she, she didn't care if she lost that. She didn't care that it was denied. It was the fact that she got to go in front of a judge and say all these wild things about me because that's their audience. That's their supply. That they're they're getting the attention that they need. Huh. And uh, at the same time, she's putting me through hell because I, she knows that it's destroying me inside, you know. And so I just think it's the self, in, the, the the sense of self entitlement. And so right after her discovery came out, I was at the gym. I'll never forget it. I was holding a seventy five pound weight, and my phone went off, and it was an email from my attorney, and it said, real short email, it said we'd like to inform you that she is now. Sorry, the dog. <laughs> Sorry. Hold on. I need you to go out there. Sorry. Um, um, I, I got a um, an email that said, 
substitution of attorney, she is now representing herself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I almost dropped the pound, 75 pound weight on my foot. I sat on the bench and I just started laughing. At this point, I was like, oh my God, like she doesn't have an attorney anymore. And I think I thought it was because I'm sure that she didn't disclose all that extra income to her attorney. Her attorney would not risk getting disbarred by not saying it to the judge. Yeah. My, my attorney had another take. My attorney said, look, if she's a narcissist, as you claim, which I think she is, she said, part of my job being your attorney is client control. She goes, how many times have I reined you in and I've talked you off the ledge? I'm like, a lot. Yeah. She goes, you may not always disagree with our, 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 our you know, strategy, but we do it nonetheless and we, we come together right. She goes, I think that her attorney is young. She's inexperienced. She overpromised and underdelivered, and that pissed Tammy off. She wasn't mm. getting what she wanted, and it never went her way. Mm. And she said, I think Tammy dumped her. I don't think the attorney dumped Tammy. I think Tammy dumped her attorney because she's such, she has to control everything that she thought she could do a better job herself. Mm. I don't know. It's just a theory. I have no idea. I'm, you know, she probably got fired by her attorney because she didn't disclose all the extra income. Yeah. But then, so there, it just kind of snowballed into, it all went my way. And I'm fortunate and, and blessed enough to know that in my situation, the courts, she didn't win anything. She she got humiliated in, in, in the, I told you about the, the, the restraining order, she got humiliated, she got lectured. She got read the California state law on what domestic violence is. Yeah, I remember about. that, I love that. Yeah. I love so, that. you know, from there, it just kind of fizzled out, but, mm -hmm. You know, it was eight months of pure hell, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, I, I heard from my lawyer and she told me there's two different kinds of justice. There's legal justice and there's social justice. And you may you might never get the like legal justice that you so badly crave. Because like me, for example, I want them to I want her to perjure herself and them to read her the, her Miranda rights. She gets stood up in court and she gets fucking walked out in cuffs. That's what I fucking want. But, of course. But the funny thing is, is that like, you know, it sounds like you got your legal justice. And now with the book, you're getting your social justice as well. Correct. And and the last thing I'll say about the like the, the legal justice is like, oh, I lost my train of thought. But she, you know, it, none of it went her way. And, you know, I, I came out of the other end. Oh, it still hurt because she cost me 40 grand in attorney's fees. Oh yeah. And now I'm to way me that's that. you know I, I know you're way over that. But but when when you I had remember I had no kids with her. We didn't own a home. We didn't own a business. We didn't own property. We it was literally how much spousal support do you have to pay her and and split up two cars and some household goods. My attorney told me I could do this divorce in three days. Yeah. You don't even need an attorney. That's how you dude you know it was, it was so um I don't know. So impactful to me. You sent me this video through Instagram and you've been, you know, you had, you had your other divorce and you show me the boxes that you had. I was going to bring that divorce. up. You had your other divorce and you were like, here's the one box of my first divorce. Now here's what it's like divorcing a narcissist. And Doug sent me, I swear to God, like it had to be like 14 boxes of what it's like to divorce a narcissist. Right. And it was like, so. it was funny, but it's also maddening. It's like, this is, and they, and they'll sit there and go, you're not the normal one. Right. <laughs> and it's funny. Cause I'll set that up. Like, so like my attorney called me and said, Hey, we're shutting down your portal. 
do you want to come pick up your files? I'm like, yeah, because I got the book coming out. I got to make sure if anything happens, I need to revert back. So I go pick up these two huge file boxes, just full of documents. I didn't even think about it. I threw them in the back of my car, went home, and I was getting ready to move. And I have two divorces before that. Remember, I have two kids, two ex-wives, both normal women, never saw the inside of a courtroom, um, you know, amicable divorces. And they weren't even boxes. It was a file folder about a half an inch thick. And I said, first divorce, one kid. This is what it looks like with a normal person. Second divorce, one kid, you know, whatever, a half inch thick file. And then I panned over to two giant file boxes, no kids, no home, no business. This is what it's like divorcing a narcissist. I remember looking at that. Like, it felt weird to be laughing, but it's just like we laugh. And I've said this many times in the podcast. We just laugh about the absurdity of this. Like, it's the absurdity of dealing with a narcissist that, like, like earthlings, like the normal people of the world, the quote unquote normal people of the world, they just don't get. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so the other thing I wanted to tell you about was in my first podcast, we told you this the Tahoe story on how I got it back and it was five hours of me staking out the house and she had to leave and- It was such a cool story. It was you felt crazy. Like you were fe- you, like when you were telling that story, oh, yeah, so I remember sitting on my, my uh, edge of my seat feeling like I was staking out a Tahoe with you. It was such a cool- Right, story. and it's crazy. It's just a vehicle, but it was crazy. And if you wanna hear the whole story, go back to episode 16. But when I was writing the book, I realized something. She made it pretty easy for me to get that Tahoe back. And what I realized was, and I never really told you the story about, okay, I got to tell you the story. Sorry. So we're going to go back. We're going to go back to before she filed for divorce. Again, a setup. It was June 27th, 2021. I remember the date. Two weeks before, we're on our final date night. Okay. My father had died. I was gone for two weeks. Um, She did some shady shit while my dad was gone. I come back. I needed to pick up some tools for my house. She never let me in my house. I texted her on a Friday night and said, hey, I need to come pick up some stuff. She said, okay, what time will you be here? I said, eight o'clock. She said, okay, see you then. And at that moment, I was excited to see her because we were still at the end of the separation. I thought, maybe there's a chance. My buddy who has a truck was going to, Jimmy, was going to come pick me up. And he said, hey, bro, I'm, I'm running 15 minutes late. I said, okay. And this ties into the Tahoe thing. It's very important. So so it makes sense. So I said, okay. Uh, I texted her and said, hey, we're going to be about 15. We're going to be a few minutes late. And she said, well, how? Here, here we go. She starts questioning, well, how late? I said, I don't know, like 15 minutes. How well, many seconds? How many seconds? Yeah. She, <laughs> she goes, well, how many seconds? <laughs> right. She goes, well, now that you're going to be late, I've made plans. I won't be here. I'm leaving your stuff outside. I'm like, here we go. I just said, okay. Mm-hmm. That's all I said. My buddy shows up. We go to the house. The house is on a corner across the, from the park. It's busy Saturday morning. The buzz of people at the park and the kids and whatever. We pull up. I load my stuff. I'm pissed. And I'm like, dude. I said to my buddy, I said, I wonder, I just made an off comment. I said, I wonder if my house key even still works. And my friend, now he's a hothead. And he goes, dude, this is your fucking house. You should be able to go into your house. Go see if your key works. Right. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I slowly walk up to the front door. She's there the whole time looking at me through the people I find out. I go in. I, I I I do not go in the house. 
I go up to the door. I, I barely put my key in. I'm nervous as shit. I feel it turn like a quarter of an inch, realize that my house key still works. I pull it out and I leave. There's a gate in front on the porch. I shut the gate. We leave. Never walked in the house. Never even was going to ever walk in the house. Even though I had every right to, I'm still on that lease. I yeah, can walk yeah, in. Yeah. So we leave. I'm pissed. I, I text her and I said, hey, I don't know what this is with you leaving my stuff outside. It's bullshit, whatever, whatever. My exact words were, I said, hell, I could move back in today if I wanted to, but I won't because I still have respect for you and care about you. Those were my exact words. Yeah. No response. Three days later, she files for divorce. That yeah. that was the launching pad. Her version, he showed up to get his stuff. He tried to, oh, I first tried to gain entry. I did first try my garage clicker and the garage door was locked from the inside. It wouldn't open. She goes, and that's very important. She goes, he tried to gain entry through the garage. And when, and when he realized it was locked, he became enraged and was cursing and yelling obscenities. Never happened. Jimmy got upset. He was upset. I said, dude, stop it. It's not worth it. And he stopped. Then he tried to gain entry through the front door. When he realized it was locked, it's always locked, right? Whatever. When he realized it was locked, he left and slammed the gate. Then he texted me and threatened to move back in. Oh, I God. am now in fear for my life, and my daughter and I are terrified. I go to bed every single night with my bedroom door locked, wondering if he's going to show up in the middle of the night and make good on his threats. Oh, God. So she filed a full, an ex parte, full exclusive use of the home order, which wanted she wanted a judge to kick me off the lease so I couldn't go anywhere near. That was denied immediately. <laughs> that was because no proof of nothing. So that's what launched it into it. Now back to the Tahoe. So now we're fast forward October. I'm there to get the Tahoe. And I finally, she leaves. She drives right past us, which I told you. Mm -hmm. And we go up with the sheriff's deputy. I click the garage door and it's open. Mm -hmm. The garage door is unlocked. I go to check the Tahoe. The door is locked. I go in the house. My key works. I can't find the Tahoe keys. We wait for the tow truck. Tow truck comes, tows it away. End of the story, right? What I didn't tell you was while I was standing in the parking lot of the park across the street from the house, I'm facing the main road, okay. talking to my friend, waiting for the sheriff's deputy, and I witnessed her drive by at a high speed. Okay. She doesn't speed, dude. She is like, doesn't break any laws. She is a very careful driver. She goes flying by at a high rate of speed. And I said to my friend, oh my God, she just drove by. He goes, no way. I said, dude, I know her old car. She just drove by. Okay. And then I realized, wait a minute. As I'm writing the book, I go, she sped by really quick. She was conveniently gone for the exact amount of time that I needed to take the Tahoe. She didn't leave the garage door unlocked this time. She practically invited she did me. Leave in. it, she did leave it unlocked this time. This time she left it unlocked. Right, 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 right. Okay. When I went on June to get my tools, she locked it. Right, okay. So, so she backed the Tahoe out, remember, put it in the garage, yep. didn't leave the garage door locked. She left it unlocked. And then what I realized was she was setting me up. This She, she, she knew it was done. She knew I'm going to get it eventually. She set me up. To, to allow herself to file that restraining order against me and claim abuse. I firmly believe that because back in June, the garage door was locked. Now it's wide open. 
now she she's conveniently gone for the same exact amount of time. A friend of mine drove past the house literally five minutes after I had left, and she was in the driveway. And her headlights were on. Garage door was halfway up. She makes a fake angry call to the sheriff's department saying she's going to come to my house, which she never did. So what I'm saying is I believe that she purposely let me take the Tahoe to propel the the her to be able to do do the the bogus restraining order on me because she had nothing she had nothing she had nothing but she had to figure out some way to show that i was abusive right right remember she said in her document that the sheriff's deputy that was there with me for peacekeeping witnessed the abuse right that was the most ludicrous statement i have ever heard in my life yeah i remember you telling that yeah so calculating and it's just crazy because it while I was writing the book, there were so many more little tidbits that were coming back to me that added everything up. Another one was the fact that she accused me of cheating on her during our marriage, which I never did. I was completely faithful to her. But then as I was going back in time and I saw her pattern, I believe she was cheating on me. Uh-huh. And I'm going to get to that in a second because the biggest bombshell in my book I'm not the only one that was married three times. She was married three times too. Okay. Her first husband, we're going back 25, 30 years. She was married to a guy, not his real name. We're going to call him Mike. She was married to a guy, no kids with him. She was married less than two years. She was sealed in the Mormon temple with him. All I knew was his name and that he was abusive too. Of course. And that she told me and Jim, her you know, Jim, the ex-husband too. She told us both that he, she told Jim that he held her at gunpoint and forced him, forced her to sign the divorce papers. She told me that she, that he held her by the neck and put a gun to her face. Super, super abusive. She had to get out of the marriage quick. That's all I knew about this guy. So while I was writing the book, I was talking to Jim and I'm like, God, I'd love to talk to this guy. Like, I don't even know who he is. I'm just like, where is he, right? All I had was a name. And he's like, yeah, that would be fucking crazy because what I know about him, I've called him plenty of names in the past, and I've treated him like shit not knowing him because I believe we both believed her. So I did a Facebook search, couldn't figure it out. And then one day, it was I think it was Labor Day weekend last year or the year before, Jim and I were hanging out um, in his pool with his wife, and we're talking about it again. And he suddenly blurted out his real name and where he was from. I'm like, bro, you didn't tell me that where he was from. He's like, oh, shit, sorry. The next day I go on Google and I search his name. Now where he's from, his Facebook page comes up. I know what he looks like. There he is. Let's go. Right. So I get four email addresses. So I email all four addresses and I said, hey, Mike, this is my name. You don't know me. I think you were married to this girl, Tammy, in the, in the 90s. I'm writing a book about my life and my marriages and my experiences with her. Would you be willing to talk to me? Within an hour, his exact response was short but said it all. He said, hi, Doug. I was very surprised to get your email, dot, 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 not that surprised. (laughs) Sure, I'd love to chat with you. He called me later that day. We spoke on the phone for four hours. Yes. And I said, before I 
talk to you about my story. I don't want it to be any bias. I want you to tell me your story. What he told me, dude, blew my fucking head off. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, I'll just highlight a couple of things, but there's a whole chapter about him in my book. The first, you know, he, he talked how they met, talked how they got married in the temple, the Mormon temple. They had no kids together. And he said, the first thing he said about their marriage is he said, remember, he doesn't know anything about me or my marriage to her. Nothing about narcissism. All the guy knows is about him and her. He said, we woke up. I goes, he goes, I woke up on my honeymoon the very first day with my brand new bride. And it was like I was married to a completely different fucking person almost immediately. Because they have you. Because when they have you. I was like, off. Yeah, yeah, I gasped. And I'm uh -huh. like, what? And he goes, she didn't want to do anything. She didn't want to go anywhere. She had her own agenda. He goes, we didn't even have sex on our honeymoon, but maybe once. And it was like days later. And he said, I just freaked out and was like, okay, maybe it's cold feed. She's young, 21, 22 years old. He kind of blew it off. Like, okay, I, I get it. They get home and he's like, she regressed and completely like wouldn't let him hang out with his friends anymore. All the things that she said, she fell in love with him. He was young, adventurous. He, this guy was into ice climbing, rock climbing, paragliding, adventurous shit. He still is mm -hmm. retired at the age of 40. He's got like three homes. He's got an airplane. He freaking flies all over the place in his plane. And he's like, none of that shit. She didn't want to do all of a sudden. Right. She'd get mad at me if we were at a party and anybody, any girl was paying attention to me, like whatever. The biggest story though, well, there's two, and I got to tell you both because the third one is going to lead into the cheating. So he said, the biggest one is, is he goes, I came home one day, his brother was still in high school, came from out of state, spent the whole summer. He goes, we agreed that we were going to get these tickets to this amusement park. And so he went and bought the tickets for him and her and his buddy and his brother. He goes, I came home and I said, hey, um, I got the amusement park tickets. And he said, she looked at me and she goes, you did what? And he goes, I bought the amusement park tickets we talked about. I'm not shitting you. He knew nothing about my story. He goes, when she looked at me, it was like her eyes turned black. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what did you just say? And he goes, her eyes turned black. Now, I never witnessed this, but I know with some narcissists that can happen. He goes, she looked at me and it was almost like a different voice, a different person. She said, I'm not doing that. You're not doing that. We're not going. And he goes, wait, now this guy, stronger mental fortitude. Like, he's like, fuck you. I'm going. You don't have to go. But me and my brother and my buddy are going. You can stay home. That was his attitude. Yeah. yeah. And she started circling the kitchen like in a circle and she was repeating herself. You're not going, I'm not going, we're not going. You're not going, I'm not going, we're not going. He said, finally, I got in front of the refrigerator and I said, stop, what are you doing? Why are you acting like this? We're gonna have a good time. He said, Doug, she put my hands against, her hands against my chest, tilted her head down slowly she was wearing a brand new pair of Doc Martin boots that I had just bought her. You know, Doc Martin boots, the big heavy, right? And she began kicking me in the shins as hard as she could until my shins were bloody. He said, I had an out-of-body experience. I, the pain stopped. He goes, I saw, my, I saw myself make a fist. He goes, and I bumped her on top of the head like, like you would knock on a door. Not hard, but enough to get her attention. 
He goes, she immediately dropped to the ground and started screaming over and over and over. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. He's trying to kill me. Somebody help me. He goes, my brother's standing there. He's in high school. He's like, she can't be hurt. Like, you didn't do anything. He goes, my buddy, who is in law enforcement, hears it, bangs on the door, comes over. What's going on? Someone's screaming for help. He goes, dude, my wife went crazy. She's kicking me in the shins. I gave her a little knock on the noggin. Right or wrong, it was my reaction. He goes, she looks over. He looks over at her. She gets up, not a tear, brushes herself off, like does the whole, like brushes herself off smiles at the neighbor and goes, everything's fine. Everything's good. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, bro. I'm listening to this, and I am like, oh, oh my God. I, so, you just, like, put me in this situation. Now the cheating. This is crazy. This is why I wrote a book. This is crazy. <laughs> so he got an opportunity to go out of state and, and, and start a new business. And he was, like, super excited. They were going to move to this new state. And he went up there for four days to check out the land and the property and the machinery. And she had to stay home and work. So he goes up for four days, drives there. And every single day he was there, he was trying to call her repeatedly throughout the day just just to tell her about the trip and whatever. Phone was busy. Now, back in the 90s, this was before the Internet. You're on the it's either it's either you're on. Well, the Internet was out, but it's either you're on the phone or you're off the receiver. Right. For the entire five days that he was there, he never once talked to her because the phone was busy the entire time. This was his breaking point. He said, I finally get home a day late because his truck had broke down. He tried calling her and it didn't, she couldn't get through. He's freaking out thinking she's going to be mad at me that I'm a day late. He comes into the house, goes straight back to the extra bedroom. She's been on AOL chat for four days straight. And he sees the computer screen. He sees she's talking to a guy. He sees he sees the conversation is inappropriate. And he goes, what are you doing? And she quickly closes all the screens. No, nothing, nothing. He goes, no, not nothing. Who are you talking to? She goes, oh, I'm just talking to an old boyfriend from grade school that I reconnected with. That was Jim. When I told Jim, Jim goes, holy, that was me, bro. She told me she was divorced. And I was on the AOL chat with her. I actually went up to that state while he was gone. And we didn't have sex, but we fooled around. <laughs> right? I wish you could see me right now. I wish everybody could see me. I just threw my head back in the chair. Oh, my wow, I know. I thought, so wow. now we're okay. So, I'm actually hold on with me. So, so I'm listening to this. So, so I tell Jim this later. He was freaking out. So anyway... He decides to get back in his truck and go for a drive. He says his mindset, Mike, was like, what do I do? I got to get out of this. I've never been through a divorce. Nobody in my family has ever been through a divorce. I don't know who this girl is. This is what he's telling me. This isn't the girl I dated. This isn't the girl I fell in love with. This isn't the girl I married. So he says, I came home the next night. And I said, hey, I was in a good mood. He goes, that next day he went to an attorney and had divorce papers filed. Right. Uh, Whatever. He comes home and says, let's go to dinner. And she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's go to dinner. He goes, I purposely took her to dinner to a public place because I knew how crazy she would get. He sits down at dinner and he says, look, I'm out. I'm going to this new state. I'm taking my truck. I'm taking my dog. I want a divorce. If you sign this right now, 
There's no fight. You can have everything. I just want my dog, my truck. I'm gone. And, but if you don't sign this by the end of dinner, it's going to be a fight. We're going to go to court. It's going to be on. Now, remember, she told Jim and me, he held her at gunpoint in his truck and forced him. Narcissists take a tiny bit of the truth. Oh, my God. Right? I took her to dinner and forced her to sign the divorce papers. He held me at gunpoint and forced me to design, right, to sign the divorce papers. He goes, she cried a little and said, I need to talk to my parents. He's like, nope, you're not talking to your parents. Like, I, I was thinking both Jim and I, I don't want to say we're pussies. Or whatever. It's not. Neither Jim and I would have never had the balls to do this. But Mike, Mike, like, especially going back to, like, the amusement park tickets and this thing, he seems a little bit strong-willed, you know? Maybe Very strong-willed. Maybe it's just different times, you know? But yes. I don't know. So he, she had two really odd requests. She's like, well, I want to keep your last name and I want to keep the dog, his dog. And he's like, what? You're not keeping my last name. And what do you want with my dog? She said, well, you could breed your dog and the puppies would be worth a lot of money. He goes, you're crazy. I'm not keeping, you're not keeping my dog. Bottom of the line, the next day she ended up signing. The next day he got his truck, his dog, he took off, never saw her again. Wonderful. Now, years later, she even told me about this while she was married to me because he goes, I remember you having her having your last name. Years later, she while she married to me, she contacted him on Facebook and was like, hey, how's life? She, my life is great. I've got two kids with Jim and I'm married to this guy and da, 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 da. And he was very confused by that. And I was sitting there thinking, if this guy's so abusive, if you put a gun in your face, why would you connect with him on Facebook yeah. years later? Whatever. So just mind-boggling shit. My God, what a nutcase. I got to get to my part of this real quick. At the end, before I ever moved out, she works at a – she's in education. And she would come home every night and tell, talk to me at dinner, and she was telling me and te telling me that there was a male staff worker that she worked with who always came to her office and always flirted with her and would color coordinate his clothes. And she's, she loved the attention, but she was like, he won't leave me alone, blah, blah, blah. And then she tells me he's having an affair with another female staff member. Now, I know this guy. She tells me who it is. I know him well. But when I said, who's the female staff member? She won't tell me. She refuses. And at the point, at this point, I'm still stupid. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, but she's giddy. She's giddy and she's like, oh my God, he won't leave me alone, but he's having this affair and he's asking me for advice about his affair. And I'm, first my thought was, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you don't remember in 2009 when we were doing this shit, right? Yeah. But anyway, I firm, then while I was writing the book, I read a quote that said, learn to observe. Narcissists will often tell you stories about themselves when they're actually telling stories about other people. And I went, holy shit. She was the one having the affair. And every friend and family member I told this to, they're like, duh. Like, you're right. So then when I told Jim this, you know what Jim said? Mm. He goes, holy shit. And I said, what? And he goes, back when you were having the affair with her, she used to do the same shit. We'd be sitting there at dinner and she'd go, Oh, my God, Doug Buggle, he's texting me. He thinks he's the God's greatest gift to women. He just thinks he's so hot and so wonderful. I can't stand him while she's having an affair with me. Yeah. Trying to downgrade me to her husband. 
Dude, I have stories like that too. Like, it's just so funny the way they act. Like, it's so weird how they're all so similar. Like, and I've told the story a bunch of times. We were laying in bed one time. She had this friend that really pretty girl, but like was kept getting married. Like this girl was like married like two or three times. She was in her thirties. Like she was young, but she was really pretty. And I remember laying in bed and she's like, oh, look, you know, so-and-so got married again. And like, she looked at me like, she's like, oh, this girl's always getting married. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, like, she's pretty. I mean, I get why guys want to marry her, but yeah, like whatever. And then like, she was talking shit about that girl. And then five weeks later, she's got Fireman John in her house. And right. she's friends with that girl that she was bad mouthing. Another story, quick story for you. Yeah. Is that like, I constantly sit here and I've never told this story in the podcast before, but you're, you're saying that they tell stories about other people, which are things that they've probably done. I've racked my brain with trying to figure out how my next became a narcissist. And she always told me this story about how she was like the quiet girl in high school and she never really had, you know, she never talked much, but she dated the captain, the football team and all the girls hated her because he was so hot, but she's the one who got him. And they used to take like shaving cream or something and write slut in her driveway. Or like there was another story about how like on underneath her car door, underneath the handle, they put peanut butter there. So when she went and like gripped the, the handle to the car, she got her hand stuck in peanut butter. And like, as you say all this shit, I'm like, just sitting here going like, well, I know her and I know she's a low life. So like all those things that she said, like, she's probably like, oh, I'm this soft spoken girl in high school. I'm sure she was a loudmouth asshole. And that's why she doesn't have a lot of friends. Like she right. never had friends when I was with her. Mine didn't either. Yeah. She so like, very I'm, just, few friends. I'm just relating like, yeah, that's the, it's the same yeah. sort of experience. Like when you say, yeah, they tell these stories about like other people. Um, in like this judgmental way, it's because they're telling on themselves. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's, it's mind blowing and God, thank God I'm out of that nightmare. But, um, so back to the book. So how this book came about is kind of a crazy story too. It's like, I don't even like to read, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I watch movies. I don't even like to read. I've never been a writer. And I was going through this trauma. I was going through these emotional, just like crushing me, you know, because you were with me through a lot of it. And, you know, everyone told me to journal, right? So a lot of this book was written in, now this book, by the way, is too, it's about my life. It's about my, I, I briefly talk about the first two marriages. I, I talk about my upbringing. I talk about being a codependent and it's not just her. It's focused on my affair and the, and, and, and the marriage and the, the chapter on her is actually called My Marriage to Tammy, Not a Charm. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> so it, it does focus that. And then the, the last three or four chapters is on a study on narcissism. I go through the, all of it and how to heal from it and all that different stuff. Mm -hmm. But but the book came about because all my friends were like, dude, you need to journal. You need to write shit down. So I just started writing in my phone, in my computer, my thoughts, which turned into a 16-page goodbye letter to her, Ooh. which I never sent because everyone's like, don't fucking send that, right? Ironic that and, it's 16. Yeah, it's 16 pages, and it says it's goodbye, Tammy. Mm -hmm. And I basically call her out on all her shit, and I go through everything. And when I got this letter done, it was 16 pages, I sent it to some friends and family, and they're like, you should write a book. I'm like, no way, I, I can't write a book. They're like, you have everything, all the different things. And then it, I didn't take it seriously until I read the letter to my therapist. And I'd been with this guy since like 2015. So he knew everything about every player. 
And when I read this letter to him, my therapist was in tears, first time ever. And he looked at me and he just, his reaction was, wow. He said, this is amazing writing. He said, the way you articulate your emotions, have you ever thought of writing a book? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess I need to write a book. So I just started <laughs> writing this book. And when I got done, I knew I wanted that 16 page letter in there. And I had it in there somewhere in the book. And when I got with my content editor, I had written an ending and she said, your ending is really good. I like your ending. But she said, what if we did this? She goes, what if we change your ending? So it's not the ending. And that goodbye Tammy letter is the last part of the book. That's it. So the last thing the reader reads is this unedited. I'm pretty good at grammar. I'm pretty good at spell checking, but it's still raw. And it's, I told my publisher, do not change this letter. I don't want it copy edited, right? So I tell that story and the last chapter of the book is Goodbye Tammy. And ironically, the, the book was just gonna be called Third Time Was Not a Charm, Surviving Narcissistic Abuse. Tammy's second cousin is like a mother to me. She's like a sister to me. We're extremely close. She has no communication with her. Love this woman to death. She told me you should include that in the title because the first thing they're going to read is goodbye, Tammy. They're going to know it's written by a man. The last two words they're going to read is goodbye, Tammy. So that 16-page letter to her that's raw and just my emotions is at the end of the book. Heck, I love so it. So it's cool. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I can't believe, 260-some pages. So, um, yeah, that's how the book came about. Bro, and I, you really, I, like, I put yourself book. out there. You really, really put yourself out there. I mean, I did. You know, you're, you're obviously well-spoken, and I can't wait to read the book. And, like, you, you, just the way you put yourself out there is just really heartfelt and genuine. And like, yeah, I know a lot about your story. And now we've done two episodes together. And just like, you're yeah. just a real dude. And you can tell like the way that we relate to things. Like, you know, you tell your story and I go, oh yeah, this reminds me of this. And I tell my story yep. and that reminds you of that. It's like, you just get it. You just get it. So I'm sure it's like a sick read. I got to check it out. Thank you. I appreciate it. I can't wait. And um, so then because of your podcast, um, I think they listened to my episode. I was contacted by the directors of a, of a documentary called Empathy Not Included. They're on Instagram under Empathy Not Included. Mm -hmm. And it's directed by Mark Vicente and uh, some other people. And it's going to be either HBO or Netflix or somebody. It's a major documentary. It's going to be out early 2024. They're at the very, I was the last person. I've done two shoots with them. So yeah. I'm going to be featured in this documentary. Sweet, dude. Empathy not included. So they, I tell the whole story. I, you know, a bunch of really cool shits in it. So I can't, I can't wait for that to come out. Yeah, I can't so, wait to see that. I, I ended up, I, I talked to one of the people with the, the film, but I wouldn't show my face. And they said it does make for good television if I won't show my face. But uh, yeah, I know, yeah, dude, I'm proud of you. And I can't wait to see you on the silver screen. I'm like, that's fucking Doug. I know him from the internet. Right. Yeah, I know. It's going to be crazy. But let everyone know, I wrote the book under a pen name. Yes. Teddy Bowers. So I know I'm not trying to confuse people. I'm going to be on the documentary as Doug Buggle. I'm always here as Doug Buggle. But the book is Goodbye, Tammy. Third Time Was Not a Charm. Surviving Narcissistic Abuse by Theodore Teddy Bowers. I get it, dude. I totally, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of like, yeah. And now you understand, like, I, I have to explain to people, like, cause I put the disclaimer with the podcast, right? Like the names, locations, situation have been changed. Yeah. The story is based upon a true story. And now you get what I'm saying when I say that is because we're protecting certain people's anonymity for good. Yes. Reasons. But dude, I am so 
fucking outrageously proud of you. You are Thank absolutely you, one of my favorite guests. And you're just like a cool dude, man. We've connected on just like so many different levels through social media. You know, we're DMing at least once a week, you know, right. through, through Instagram. And I just think you're such a strong dude. You're so well-spoken. You really know how to like connect with people's emotions. I think you're just destined for fucking big things, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it, man. That's all. Thank you. I don't... I don't know where else we have to go, but I, we're probably at the end of the hour, huh? Yeah, well, just tell tell everybody one more time, where can we find the book? Okay, so um, actually, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I know we gave up my personal one last time, but I do have an Instagram page that's Theodore Teddy Bowers. Okay. So it's all one word. That's, that's kind of where I do a lot of the book updates. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find the book on um, bookstore.dorrancepublishing.com. And Dorrance is D-O-R-R-A-N-C-E. Or you can just go to their website, dorrancepublishing.com. You can go to their bookstore. You can find it there. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon right now, but it's in about the next two weeks, it'll be everywhere. Amazon, Google, Barnes & Noble. You can just Google it. Um, and again, the book is Goodbye, Tammy. Third time was not a charm, surviving narcissistic abuse. Perfect. And I'll make sure I link that in the episode, and I'll link it on Instagram so people can find it. Anyway, Doug, thank you so much, dude. You're awesome. I appreciate you. And uh, let's stay in touch, man. Oh, for sure. Thank you. And I hope one day we can hook up and meet and hang yeah. out. Yeah, I hope so, too. All right. Well, until uh, until next time, everybody.